Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of, and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. It's Curious City, where we take your questions about Chicago and the region and investigate, report, explore from WBEZ. Hi, I'm Curious City contributor Char Dastin, and as sometimes happens in Chicago, Pamela Monaco had an unexpected art encounter at her neighborhood post office in Lakeview. Well, it happened at Christmas time when many of us are waiting in long lines and looked up and noticed the mural, and I had time to really observe it. The mural she's talking about is huge. It covers the entire wall. And there was a lot to take in. A broad history of Chicago, with a farmer about to slaughter a cow, an industrial assembly line, and even a representation of the Great Chicago Fire. But what impressed Pamela most was the fact that the federal government had funded all this during the Great Depression. We can look back and see a time when money was scarce, and yet we felt that this was really important. This all got her curious about all the murals the federal government funded during the Great Depression in Chicago, and how many are still here. And recently, she noticed some of those murals in the news. That's because back in April, a few schools in Oak Park removed murals that only showed white people after students of color complained they felt left out. Pamela cares a lot about preserving history, so this concerned her. Especially in schools, this is an opportunity to educate, to think about why, how has the school changed, how has the community changed, and how can educators use that piece of art to stimulate discussions about what would be representative of us today. This raises complicated questions about historical preservation, inclusivity, and what it means to be progressive today. So to answer Pamela's question, we'll visit one of the schools in Oak Park and hear from students that fought to remove their mural. But first, let's go back in time to the Great Depression. 1929, and the overinflated stock market plunges into a Great Depression. In the 1930s, unemployment got as high as 24%. It means the interminable line outside factory gates, desperately hoping for a job that rarely comes. So the federal government intervened with several jobs programs, including some for artists. Murals in post offices were funded by the Treasury Department, and murals in schools and other public places were part of the Works Progress Administration, or WPA. They hired dozens of artists to paint murals in the Chicago area. It was a job. You worked nine to five and you got a regular paycheck. That's Barbara Bernstein. She created the New Deal Art Registry, a guide to publicly funded Depression-era art. In Chicago, the headquarters was at 433 East Erie, and it was a big studio. And, you know, every day you reported to work. And these artists were available to public institutions around the city that needed a poster made or a mural painted or a diorama sort of created in a museum. They did a lot of the backgrounds that are in the Field Museum. Many of the artists they hired were young and largely unknown. 
Others were more established, but from marginalized communities. Archibald Motley, a prominent black artist, was hired to paint murals showing African-American history. And then there was Ethel Spears. She was a lesbian artist in her 30s who just started teaching at the School of the Art Institute. As an art teacher, she made a point of exposing her students to non-Western art. So just how many murals did the WPA fund in Chicagoland? And how many are still on display today? One local expert thinks there were almost 500 commissioned in Chicago and the suburbs. But the federal government hasn't taken care of them, and only about half are still around. Some were painted over, destroyed during a demolition, or sold to a private owner. Sometimes, amateur art detectives track down lost murals. Like, in 1995, a 13-year-old named Hannah, working on an 8th grade history project, discovered a series of murals hidden in the attic of a school in Winnetka. But sometimes, a mural is intentionally taken down. That happened at a school in Skokie in the 30s. The mural showed white, black, and Asian people embracing. Some people thought it celebrated communism, so it was covered up by a bookshelf soon after it was created. And remember those all-white murals in the three Oak Park schools? They were removed earlier this year, for almost the opposite reason. To learn more, I took Pamela over to Percy Julian Middle School to meet members of the school's social justice club. They're the ones who got the mural removed. Here's a student named Cachet describing it. Basically, you think of a big snowy day. Everybody's outside, everybody's playing. And it's a bunch of kids in the snow making snowmen, throwing snowballs. But the biggest thing that stood out about the painting is there is not a single colored person in there. So it's all white kids. The mural was on display in the cafeteria until this spring. Taylor is another social justice club member. She says it was a problem. And you have to kind of put yourself in like a new kid's perspective. So say that like you weren't already a student at Julian. It's your first day you walk in and you just see that painting. Like, what are you going to think about this school? You're not going to feel included, especially if you're a student of color. You're not going to feel like you belong if you see something like that. Last year, a sixth grade student said exactly that. The mural made him feel unwelcome. He talked about it at a school board meeting. A bunch of students from the Social Justice Club were there, testifying about other issues of inclusivity, like discrepancies in discipline. During that conversation, the sixth grader mentioned that the mural ought to be taken down. The Social Justice Club backed him up, and after some more meetings, the school administration agreed. But after the mural was removed and the story got some publicity, the club members say they got some nasty reactions from other students and even teachers. But the students say if the artist were alive today, they hope she'd understand. Because here's the thing, the artist who painted the mural? That would be Ethel Spears, the gay, non-Western art enthusiast I mentioned earlier. The students say they understand that Spears may have been progressive for her time, but that doesn't take away the harm the mural was causing. I asked them what they would tell Spears if they could talk to her. Here's Dallas, an eighth grader in the club. I would say, like, you know, I know that since you're queer, you know, I know that you feel, like, left out or, like, looked at different. So, like, this is how we feel. Like, you're leaving us out. The students also say they understand the mural may have historical importance, but that doesn't mean it belongs in their cafeteria. The thing about the history argument is, right, 
This is a cafeteria, not a history classroom. Quiche suggested that a museum with the Depression-era art collection could be a better place. So I guess we could take the these paintings that are in the schools that don't make everybody feel inclusive, and you can put them in those museums. And then you can really, you know, write about them and do all of that. After listening to the students, Pamela told them she learned a lot. Thank you for providing an education. Um, I realize I sit here as an old white lady of privilege. For me, preservation of history is an important point, and it should be preserved in a way that we look at what happened in the past and say, that was wrong. Why did that happen? What is our response now? Meanwhile, the students say they want a new mural to replace the one that got taken down. And they're pressuring the school's administration for a seat at the table in deciding what goes on the wall next. They're hoping it will be something that includes people like them, especially since, like those hundreds of WPA murals around Chicago, it may be on display in their school for years to come. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. I'm Char Daston. To see murals mentioned in this story and murals from the area that have been controversial over the years, visit us at wbez.org slash Curious City. Next time on Curious City. Do you smell the musty smell here? That, that's yeah. the rat pheromone. That's the rat feces and the rat urine. We go on a rodent safari to learn about rats in Chicago. How many do we have? Why so many? And why are they drawn to particular neighborhoods or blocks? Hint, they go where the food is. All the dumpster lids are open, and the trash handling area has a lot of spillage. I mean, it's really stinky. It smells pretty foul here. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you.